You know, today I wanted to talk a little bit about shepherds and, 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 and sheep, really. Um, and it's interesting because as I researched the scripture out and have done that, um, I think, uh, you know, everybody has a different view of what things are or were or how they played out. And I'm absolutely certain of one thing. There are going to be a lot of things that we are going to find out that probably happened a little differently than maybe what we thought they did. I think we're going to find out that uh, the Bible is full of things that uh, we were pretty confident that we understood, that maybe we didn't have the understanding that we thought we did. But we can trust the Word, and we can trust the truth. There's, there's no, no lacking in the truthfulness and trustworthy of God's Word. And so, you know, as I looked at this, I was thinking about, uh, you know, it really had my head spinning, and it doesn't take a lot for that to happen at times, but I was thinking about, you know, there were really two primary things that I was looking at in this instance, and it was about the, the identity of these shepherds. And, uh, and the, um, there were a lot of interesting aspects that, uh, that were brought forth in, in this study. And there are those who believe that the shepherds and, uh, were, were uh, shepherds employed, uh, poor perhaps, hardworking perhaps, uh, people who were common. And, and there was a history there uh, relating to the view uh, that many had about the, uh, the um, uh, shepherds. And then there were others who believed that they were actually priests, uh, t- uh, temple, temple shepherds who were given the responsibilities of uh, raising these sheep uh, that would be uh, presented unto the Lord and making sure that they uh, were uh, up to the standard that had been set, set forth by God. So, you know, um, you know I'm going to just say this for myself. I, uh, you know, I do believe that these shepherds were were shepherds, and they were they uh, were probably raising sheep that would be used for uh, offerings. I'm not solely convinced that they were priests, but I do believe that they, I know they were shepherds. They were people who had been uh, employed or found employment in, in raising sheep, and uh, they would have made uh, the firstborn uh, of their sheep available for uh, purchased by those who would be offering sacrifice. And so as we, we look at this story today, you know, there's so many things about God that are so endearing to us. If you really get to know God, a lot of times God is so far away from us in our thinking that it's hard to imagine that there's uh, um, just some personably endearing qualities that God has that makes me love him more, makes me want to serve him more, uh, wants to abandon everything that I can in my life that stand between my, my pursuit of him and my love for him. And, uh, you know, when I look at how much love God really is, you know, when we say God is love, we kind of file that in with all of the other qualities that God possesses. And, uh, you know, God is love. God's holy. God's love. God's so many things. But in his essential character, God is love. And God in his love is inclusive. God's not, uh, God doesn't seek to exclude anyone. God doesn't want to leave anybody out. You know, uh, how many know that today? God is a very welcoming God. He's a very loving God. God shows us things that we shouldn't miss. So regardless of not, or whether or not you believe that these shepherds 
uh, were placed. Uh, uh, they 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 were temple priests, or you believe that they were common shepherds who raised the sheep. I want to tell you that. Uh, uh, you know, every man needs God. You know, whether no matter what type of shepherds these were, they were. You know, and you read people, and they're absolutely convinced one way or another, and they'll cite this and that, and they go all through all the different aspects of of why they know it to be one way. And you know, some of the people that I respect a lot and have read have had had differing views on the on the idea of who these shepherds actually were, and actually. Uh, the majority of whom I read did not believe that these were uh, temple priests, but they believed that they were shepherds who had been employed to raise sheep that would be used for the purpose of offering them up to the Lord. So regardless of what one might believe about who these shepherds were, it's obvious that these shepherds worked hard. They would have smelled They would have been invested fully in something that would have been viewed by many as menial labor, right? There are things that uh, you have to understand the history here with shepherds anyhow as it regarded uh, the Jews. You know, after 400 years in Egypt among people who had absolute disgust and disdain for sheep and shepherds, you know, they were agriculturalists who saw no real benefit to raising these sheep, you know, 400 years of influence. You know, Israel went from, uh, and we can trace it back, they were a herding people, a herdsman people. And as time went forward, the, the shepherds fell into disfavor. You know, their, the people's common view of shepherds was not held in the highest regard. You know, uh, they, were, they were looked at as being pretty shady, and uh, whether that be true of some, it was became a stereotype. And, you know, that's human nature. We can be very good at stereotyping people, can't we? We lump people together and we assume they're all alike because of where they're from or what their life experiences may have been. And, you know, God cuts through all of that and he sees individuals. And every individual needs Christ. And, you know, as we look at the world, it's easy for us to say nobody wants Jesus, nobody cares about God, nobody, nobody wants to know him, and that's not true. They just have never been introduced to him. And maybe they have been and they've rejected that, but there are a lot of people in America today who have never been introduced to Christ. Never, never, not once. You see, we assume that everybody, because of our experience, has had ample presentations of Christ to them. And yet, you know, we see people lumped together and we assume that all of the lost hate God. And that's not true either. How many of you, when you were lost, hated God? You didn't hate God. Most of you probably didn't hate God at all. You didn't probably give a whole lot of thought to God, right? You didn't have uh, uh, the relationship with God that you've been called into and enjoy today. So when I think of these uh, shepherds, you know, uh, for one, they, they could have been, um, they, you know, they were people who could have been, uh, if they were common shepherds, they would have been people who would have not been looked highly upon. And, you know, I love God because he blows everything out of the water because Jesus ate with sinners, right, and, and tax collectors and people of bad reputation. Jesus kind of found those people because that's what he said he came to do, to seek and to save those who are lost. And as we celebrate Christmas, that's our mission. 
You know, I don't want to get on a soapbox today and tell you how bad everybody else is because they, they uh, celebrate the materialistic view of, or they, they're caught up in materialism because, you know, the church can do that as well. We're no different, right? We can get caught up into things and it can become about things. So uh, we've, we've got a world that doesn't know the love of Christ. And, you know, there are a lot of individuals out there in the mass of humanity whom we will have an opportunity to be a light to. You know, uh, I, uh, I think it's funny because sometimes uh, people are, de- uh, I was going to say deified, they're not deified, they're demonized. <laughs> There's a difference, right? If you're deified, that's not good. If you're demonized, that's not good either. But, uh, you know, because, you know, people, um, they, you know, they, I've had people say, well, I don't eat ham during Christmas. If you're a good Christian, you don't eat ham. I guess I'm a bad one then. Uh, and uh, people who say that, you know, I don't put trees up because I don't, you know, let me say this today. We've got, I don't know how many didn't count, but I don't know of anybody in here who's worshiping any of them, are you? I didn't see anybody up here bowing down to them. And, you know, to me, it's irrelevant because the focus is on Christ. That's what it's about to me. You know, it's easy to get hung up in all this stuff that really doesn't matter. And it really doesn't matter. Why would we expect the secular world without Christ to make Christ the focus of their Christmas? They may make goodwill a focus and doing kind deeds and giving gifts and receiving gifts. But, you know, that, that's the same as could be true of you and I, that we can get invested in all of that and not have Christ at the center of what we're doing. Or we can. So when I think about Jesus and all how this plays out, and, and we talk about, and I do want to, well, this will culminate really with the sheep, but, you know, there are over 300 uh, some say as high as, I, I, read, I was reading somebody who gave 365 listed pro, Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in the person of Christ. That's amazing. To me, that's pretty amazing. You know, people who spoke hundreds of years prior who hit the nail on the head. You know, when they spoke, it, 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 it resonated with the, the facts that came to be. In Isaiah 11.1, 1, it says, uh, uh, you know, with regard to the ancestry of David, it says a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Uh, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Jeremiah 23, 5 through 6, uh, it says, uh, uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just in the land. And uh, this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. Second Samuel 7, uh, 2 through 13, uh, Samuel speaking to David, he said, When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will, build his, I will establish his kingdom. He will uh, be one who builds a house for my name. And you can think of Solomon, but the following statement is of, it can only be of God. And it says, And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Micah 5.2, as we look at the, uh, the words that were spoken concerning the tribe of Judah, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ebrathath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, 
uh, from ancient times. You know, Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. You know, Jesus is that pre-existent, self-existent son of God who took on the likeness of flesh. People say, well, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he stopped being God. That's not true. Not one ounce is that true. Not one ounce is that true. Because he's called Emmanuel with us. I think we, I don't know. Don't do that again. Uh, Emmanuel... Emmanuel, God with us, the word became flesh, right, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. You know, when you think about it, there's so many many positions of scriptural evidence that declare who Jesus was and is and who he will always be. The Bible says in Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin shall be with child and and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. And again the name means God with us. That can be said of no one else except for Christ. When Jesus was born, King Herod slaughtered a number of children in an attempt to kill him. And uh, this was predicted in Jeremiah thirty-one fifteen. A voice is heard in Ramah, uh, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. When uh, Joseph was warned in a dream to take Jesus uh, to Egypt and stay there until Herod had died, we see in Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. You know, when, when we read these things, it's just, it, it really is just an amplification in, in, in spirit of, of God's truthful word. And God's true to his word. And God, uh, the God who authors everything, um, he's the author and the finisher of all that he purposes to introduce, has given us this story about sheep and shepherds who were out, uh, the shepherds were out watching over their flock. And again, uh, you know, there, there is... Uh, there is some differences as the idea. We had the tower, the Amidgal Edgar, that people believed that the shepherds would be would, would be in a, a raised plat, a raised uh, tower and watch over the sheep. And I believe that there was provision for the shepherds to watch over those sheep. They had been entrusted to them. These were sheep that would be offered unto the Lord. And you know, when we we think about that and how important it is. You know, both the shepherd and the sheep have significance to us today. The shepherds uh, represent, and, and I'm going to, you know, you can, you can search it out for yourself, but those shepherds represent humanity. Regardless of what you think their position might have been or wasn't, these are people who represented humanity, whether they were held in higher regard as, as temple-affiliated uh, servants or whether they were common everyday shepherds. You know, the world is filled with diverse people from one, ex- one end of the spectrum to the other, and every one of them need Jesus from A to Z. It's not God's desire that anyone should perish. Come on, aren't you glad that God didn't want you to perish? But God, he had called you and I to repentance, and through repentance and faith, we come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. You know, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, He who once waited on angels became the servant of servants 
He takes the towel, girds himself, and washes his disciples' feet. He was also honored with the hallelujahs of ages and is now spit upon and despised. We see, as uh, has been said, one writer puts it this way, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need is forgiveness, and so God sent us a Savior. And everything that happens in Scripture points to that Savior. Everything that happens in the Word of God is networked together with that one central and significant and essential truth, is that there would come one who would be and represent the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And every lamb that was being raised by those shepherds represented that lamb that would come, who would give his life, that sinless Son of God. You know, I subscribe to a gospel that uh, says that Jesus Christ was virgin born. He was sinless in his life. He was miraculous and supernatural. He died a substitutionary death on the cross. He was resurrected on that resurrection morning. After his appearance and his dwelling among the people for for appearances for days, he was ascended to the right hand of the Father. And when the angels saw those gazing up, they said, why do you look gazing up? Because he's going to return the same way. I believe in a Lord who will return for the church. Some people don't believe in a rapture. That's okay. You can stay. But I want you to know, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what the scripture says. And you know, as we look at this today... And we think about the significance of this story and how it plays into where we are today. You know, uh, the, you know the, Mishnah, the, the, the set of oral laws that were given as a supplement to the written laws, they were, they were commentary or directives uh, taught that, uh, to, that there would be those who would raise a sheep for temple sacrifice. And as these uh, individuals are raising their sheep, it's interesting that insignificant Bethlehem would also be introduced into the story because uh, in Hebrew, Bethlehem means house of bread. It was prophesied that the Messiah, the bread sent from heaven to feed the souls of mankind, uh, would be a descendant of King David. Uh, He would also be born in the same city where David, the shepherd king of Israel, was born in Bethlehem. You know, when you think about the sheep, and as they cried out or they bawled across the fields of Bethlehem, the Migdal Edder, the the tower of the flock, was the first place where lambs destined for the temple were born and raised. Every firstborn male from the area around Jerusalem was considered holy, set aside for sacrifice in Jerusalem. Generations of hereditary shepherds tended the sacred flocks. They were, they were often they were common folk who used uh, to were used to the cold, lonely nights in the fields. Uh, they were given to protect the sheep. They risked their lives to keep the animals from going astray and falling into the uh, uh, ravines of the hill country. They poured their lives into the sheep and they gave their lives for the sheep as necessary. 
When Jesus Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus in John chapter 1, uh, verse 34, he recognized him as the Son of God. And then he also later in verse 36 calls him the Lamb of God. You know, as I think about Jesus Christ today and the significance and the associations of all the things that might otherwise be disregarded as unimportant, insignificant, You know, God uses those foolish things of the world to confound the things that are wise, and he uses the mighty things to confound those, or or the weak things to confound the things which are mighty. You know, uh, Paul said that we were to consider our calling because not many of us were of, of noble pedigree, right? You know, that's what he said to the Corinthian church. But they had to understand that God didn't choose them because of their pedigree. He chose them according to his sovereign will, his design and his plan, that God purposed to choose the common and the everyday, uh, those who would be otherwise overlooked and disregarded as to be those through whom he would launch the church. Those disciples that were chosen by God were young men. They were young men. You, you, you need to research that out. They weren't 40s, 50-somethings. They were generally young men who followed the Lord, whom the Lord called, uh, called out. And, you know, not, probably none of them had any real notoriety or significance other than being fishermen or, or uh, you know, doing whatever it was, being tax collectors, zealot, whatever they were, their role was in life. They, weren't, they didn't have a big stage or a platform. And God chose them, and he turned the world upside down through the 12 and into whom he had invested himself and poured his life into and whom he died for. You know, in Christ's day, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian social ladder, Uh, They were in the unenviable status uh, with tax collectors and dung sweepers. That's an interesting job, (laughs) dung sweepers. We have two dogs now. uh, We have a little bit of an idea. Robin does. She loves those dogs, don't you, Robin? She's our resident dung sweeper. You know, I say that because she walks them, and that's what happens, but I'm not going to go into that. You understand. So if you're offended, you understand that there's reference in Scripture and in the history surrounding Scripture of dung sweepers. Uh, during the, the times of the patriarch, shepherding was held as a noble occupation. Shepherds were often mentioned throughout Scripture. Jabal is called the father of those living in tents and raising livestock. In nomadic societies, everyone, whether sheik or slave, was a shepherd. The wealthy sons of Isaac and Jacob tended sheep. Jethro, not the one on the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, was the priest of Midian, employed his daughters as shepherdesses, and, and we understand the relationship that uh, Moses uh, came, uh, came into there. When, when the 12 tribes of Israel migrated to Egypt, they encountered a lifestyle that was foreign to them. Uh, the Egyptians were agriculturalists as farmers. They despised shepherding and, and sheep because, and goats because it meant death to their crops. Battles between farmers and shepherds were, all, were as old as they were fierce. The first murder in history erupted from a farmer's resentment of a shepherd. 
in Genesis chapter 4. Egyptians considered sheep worthless for food and sacrifice. Egyptian art forms and historical records portray uh, shepherds negatively. Neighboring Arabs, their enemy, were shepherds. And Egypt's uh, hatred climaxed when shepherd kings uh, seized the lower, lower Egypt. You see the difference in image. The clean-shaven Pharaoh and his court looked down on the rugged shepherds, uh, shepherd sons of Jacob. And after 400 years of being exposed to that, uh, the, uh, Israel began to adapt the same type of view of the occupation of shepherds. And you know, uh, it's sometimes we begin to think like the world in our world, in our lives. We become so inundated and so, uh, so affected by everything that's going on around us that, you know, somewhere along the line we lose our focus. And we lose our sense of truth and, and we lose the sense of value that God has placed upon every life. Church, we cannot afford to lose uh, our, 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 our perception of the value that God places on all people. All people. No matter where they're from, no matter what they've done. How many with me say, God, awaken me to the value of others? Stir my spirit because I got to tell you, I'm not, the, I, I'm not speaking down. I'm on equal ground here today because I know I've made uh, judgments about people. I've uh, formed stereotypical views in my mind about people, and God says that's not good. And it's not good for the church. It's not us against them, right? Come on, church. It's not us against them. You know, it's us against us. Certainly, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And we understand that uh, light and darkness has no fellowship. But that doesn't mean that we have no relationship with those who don't know Christ, because if that were the fact, no one would ever know the gospel. No one would ever be introduced to Christ. You know, so that's not the purpose of the separation. The separation is to know that we don't live by the ways of the world. We don't live by the spirit of the world. We're in the world, but we're not. Our life source doesn't come from whatever the world is offering. Our life source comes from our relationship with Christ, and we want to share that with others. I don't think God gives healthy increases to churches anywhere who really don't have a love for people. You know, I tell people, I've told them over the years that when you, when you have people that want to be pastors and they don't really, that you never really understand it until you're in that position of, uh, and that, that, you know, no matter what you do on Sundays, you have to be a shepherd. You've got to have a shepherd's heart, right? Come on, church. Because if you don't have a shepherd's heart, you're just a paid, uh, you're just a hireling. And, you know, God hasn't called us to be hirelings, right? He's called us to, to have a shepherd's heart, you know, because that's what God has. You know, in fact, the, uh, the, some of the learned uh, religious establishment actually scoffed at the idea that God would identify himself as a shepherd because of their negative views of shepherds. And somehow, at times, we project upon others and uh, upon God an unfavorable view of what he says in his word because of the way we view others. You know, we, we selectively interpret scripture to fit the narrative that best suits what we prefer. We create the Christ that we want to serve. 
the one who sees things the way we do, the one who values people the way we do or it lacks you know, we, we project onto him. And so as they sat and they postulated, how could God uh, project himself as a shepherd when we all know that shepherds are pretty much, you know, let's just say it's scumbags. Can't be trusted. You know, their, their testimony in court was never welcomed. You know, anyone who purchased something from a shepherd was forewarned that it probably was stolen, whether it was or not. And they had formed these ideas about shepherd. You know what? God in his infinite wisdom and love said, I'm going to introduce first my, my son to these shepherds. Isn't it interesting? Mary Magdalene was, uh, was among the first at the tomb of the resurrected Christ, the woman out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. You know, Jesus, it's not, you know, why is it so significant when Jesus is on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem and he looks up and he sees a man hanging in a sycamore tree and he says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down today. I've got to come to your house. How could it be that Jesus would let a woman at his feet touch his feet and cleanse his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair? How could he allow that to happen and retain proper etiquette? How could he, you know, even the one on, a, on the one occasion, Simon, who had invited Jesus into his home, and I'm not sure how the woman ended up there, but she was there and she was at Christ's feet and, and Jesus was not put off by it. And so Simon thinks in his mind, if this man were truly a prophet, he would understand what kind of woman she is. When Jesus came and he rescued him, you know, it says a lot about him interjecting into the lives of women, uh, whether it be the woman who pressed to touch the hem of his garment, the woman who was taken in adultery, the woman who was seated at the well. You, you, you see this happening over and over again. It's not because Jesus was a womanizer, but women were not given esteem. They were not held in high regard often. They were objects, not always, but a lot of times they were viewed as lesser than. And Jesus blew the lid off of that, right? He blew the lid off of that. Come on, church. And I look at the scriptures and I think about these shepherds. You know, Jesus is revealed to these shepherds, his advent and his birth. And the messenger, the angel gave them the message. And they hastily went off to see what it was that they were, they were just, was shared with them. And I believe if they raised sheep for the purpose of, you know, sacrificial offerings... You know, they had a little bit of a glean of insight into something extraordinary that was being introduced and would change the whole system. That there would never have to be another lamb offered. Never have to be another blood offering offered. Because the one who was coming as God's son was being born into this world to save man from his sin. And probably they didn't understand uh, a lot of what this all meant, but they knew something significant was happening because it's not every day that angels show up. I mean, they show up, we just don't see them all the time. And they, they give this pronouncement and they make sure that these shepherds are introduced first. You know, that had to really gall the religious establishment of the day. And I'm not indicting religion. I'm just indicting legalism and self-righteousness. Right? 
Religion isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just the, the way that sometimes we exploit things through the, 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 the structure of religion. You have to think Jesus wasn't revealed to the religious establishment to go and propagate the news that he had come. He showed up and he was revealed to shepherds. I love God for a lot of reasons that I can't even probably enumerate, but I know first and foremost I love him because he loved me first. I know he loved me in spite of my flaws, in spite of my weaknesses, and he still loves me in spite of all of them because Christians sometimes forget that we still have feet of clay at times. And he loved me to redeem me, and now he loves me to help me grow and to advance in relationship and in his purposes. I thank God that he doesn't look for a big shot all the time. Amen? God found the little shots. He found the Mary Magdalene's. He found the, 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 the shepherds, right? Unnamed shepherds, you know, sometimes we attach names to, uh, to the three kings, and we're not even sure if there were just three kings, but we call them, well, I can't remember, Casper or something. Uh, that's not the ghost either. Jasper, I don't know. The father handpicked these lowly, unpretentious shepherds to first hear the joyful news. There's a boy that's born, and he's going to be the Messiah. What an affront to those who would have thought, hey, we're, we always sit in the front row. Why weren't we told about this? I don't like that disposition, do you? Somebody says, hey, why didn't I know about that? Well, if they needed to know, that's really a good question. Why didn't they know? But if they didn't need to know, you didn't need to know, and you don't know because you didn't need to know, and I didn't feel a need to tell you. And God, he, he, he gave that truth, that revelation to these shepherds who went forth and they shared. They, were, they, they watched their flock. They took off to, to go see if what, Jesus, what they had been told was so. And he says that this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a feeding trough. And the Bible says suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly army of the heavenly army praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. And when the angels went away from them into the, in, uh, into the sky, the shepherds said to one another, let's go see, let's go to Bethlehem now and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the feeding trough. And when they saw it, they publicized widely the saying that which was spoken to them about this child. All who heard it wondered at the things which were spoken to them by shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in their hearts. The, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, just as it was told them. I'm going to ask Tammy to come, if you would, and whoever else uh, would be coming at this time. You see, one of the rules or stated rules was that it was, uh, it was expressly forbid that, uh, the keeping of flocks throughout the land of Israel except in the wilderness. 
and only flocks otherwise kept would be those for the temple services here. These shepherds were in the fields surrounding Bethlehem, and they went to Bethlehem, six miles between Bethlehem and Israel, uh, to see this which had been told them. You know, this morning as we've come to the house of the Lord, you know, there's a few things I'd leave you with. Some of them relate directly to the message. Some of them are just things that, that I I've really, have been impressed on me, and that is that... Um, Don't worry about the world not celebrating Christ. You celebrate him. You lift him up. Come on, church. You love him. You pour your adoration on him. You know, and, and, you know, and if we want to see that increase and intensify, then we, we need to value people the way God does and go out and get them. Amen? Go out and get You know, now's not the time for passivity it's not, not a time for convenience. God's calling the church saying, hey, get out there. There's sheep that have to be brought into my fold. These sheep were offered as uh, God's emblem of redemption and their blood offered atonement. And I, I wanted to share a few scriptures with you here in closing uh, this this morning. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb. I think that deserves an amen, right? And they, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews 9, 22, indeed under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Hebrews 9, 12, he entered once for all, once for all. that's another amen point, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. I love eternal, right? Not temporary, not just for today, eternal, eternal redemption. Come on, church. How many say, I, I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what you're saying, but I just want you to grab that like it's flying through the air right now. Eternal eternal redemption, not temporal, not for a day, not for a moment, not for uh, three quarters of your life, but for now in this life and through eternity, you are eternally secure in Christ. Revelation 1.5, and from Jesus the Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the rulers of the kings on earth, to him who loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed 
people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Matthew 26, 28, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Revelation 20, 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he has obtained with his blood. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20 says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the, the precious blood of Christ. Just, uh, uh, just take a moment and uh, can you say that with the precious blood of Christ? That's where, the, that's where this all, all is fixed, all is made well, all is raised up from deadness into life. That's where our future comes from. When our past was our prison, God gives us a future today through the blood of Christ. Like that as a lamb without blemish, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Revelation seven fourteen, sir, you know, and he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. There's so, so many more, so many. Therefore, brothers, Hebrews 10, 19, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2, 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for showing us some things in this nativity. Lord, that you use men and women, whoever you choose to use for your purposes, Lord. You don't need our permission. You don't need an approval of men to choose whom you've chosen and to do what you have chosen to do. Because, Lord, the confirmation comes through your anointing upon their lives. Their truthful commit their word commit their commitment to the truth and personal transformation through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord God, for sheep and shepherd. Thank you for these sheep which were emblems of that which was to come. Lord, there were countless sheep who gave their lives to provide a temporary atonement. And yet, Lord, every one of them pointed back to the Lord Jesus Christ who came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Lord, broaden our view of grace and mercy that, Lord God, we would not see grace as something that's just given to those who are closer to being, they're the easier projects in our thinking. They're the ones closer. All they are is one step away from the kingdom and, and, and they're really good to, to get because they've already stepped close. But Lord, help us to see those who are not close to the kingdom. Those who are far away, Lord God, because they, Lord, have either rejected or have never, never even been introduced to you. Lord, we thank you that you choose the weak and you choose, uh, Lord God, the frail. You choose those, Lord God, who are not, Lord, uh, 
chosen because of their external giftings or their appearance, but you choose, Lord God, people such as David, a ruddy teenager who would come and stand before a giant when the nation fell in fear. Their knees trembled and their king, their mighty king, was caught up in that, uh, that, pandemic, that epidemic of fear. And a young man was called by God who stood forth, a shepherd boy who would come out and he would elevate the image of the shepherd through the Psalms and through his kingship in Christ. Once again, many years since king, uh, since shepherds had fallen into disrepute, there came David, according to the scriptures, this, this sh- uh, shepherd boy. The Lord God was a warrior. He was a man of... God's choosing, not by what men see, not by appearance, not by what they had heard about him, but what, Lord God, you knew about him. And I pray, Father, that uh, we'd understand that all of us can share Jesus. It doesn't matter whether we hold a position in the church or whether, Lord God, we're, we're quiet, soft-spoken, we keep to ourselves. Whatever it is, Lord, there, there's a platform for us to, to speak from it's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ who is, provides each of us with a powerful, transforming platform, a powerful, saving platform. And Lord, help us today to see that what God was asking for was perfection for our redemption. And Lord, had he asked for perfection and waited for man to provide that, no man would provide that. So God sent his son to take upon himself, not to the Lord, to divest of his divinity, but to take upon himself a human nature and to live this life as a human being, God among men. And he gave his life for us, Lord God. He satisfied the demands for a perfect sacrifice of the same kind that had sinned and fallen short. And yet he came and he did sin. He was perfect. He was pure. Though tempted and tested and tried as we are, he remained without sin. And we give you glory. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would for a moment. And can we just, I just feel like there's an atmosphere of uh, 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 praise that God wants to wants us to move into just for a moment, just to, just to thank him for the blood of Christ. You know, when you begin to focus on that, things change. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. Glorious King, God Almighty, Shepherd of Shepherds, Good Shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you all praise, glory, and honor. There is uh, there is that has which has manifested himself in humility. Lord, that son who came as an infant child, who came and, Lord God, was not welcomed in palatial settings, but was taken, Lord, to a to a, a habitation where he was placed in a, in a feed trough, Lord God, where he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And again, some say that the newborn firstborn sheep were wrapped in swaddling clothes. And whether that's true or not, uh, you know, uh, I don't completely know. And I'm not speaking that for as a, but if that were to be true, what a beautiful representation of that sinless son who came and was wrapped in these, these, uh, uh, this swaddle. He was in swaddling garments or cloths wrapped. He came and the only glory that was given him was the only glory that mattered. That heaven rejoiced at his coming. Heaven announced it and the angels of God rejoiced 
They, they rejoiced in the glory of God. They rejoiced in the goodwill uh, and the good news that was being released among people. Lord, let us do those two things this Christmas season. Lord, help us, Lord, to be so, so, uh, so uh, 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 desiring for God to receive glory, the glory that is due His. The Lord, that through the revelation of Christ, that there would be glory that would be released into the atmosphere and into the lives of your church, Lord God, that as Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God who took away my sin, the Lamb of God whose blood erased every fault and blemish on my record. And He positioned me, justified me, took me out of condemnation, justified me. He sanctified me according to His purpose. And Lord God, You have given me life. You've given Your church life today. Lord, let Christmas be about Jesus in our lives. Let Jesus be the center. Lord, let us see that Christmas is is indivisibly connected with the death of Christ as much as it is the first advent. It is connected to the resurrection of Christ and the efficacy of his blood. Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Lord God. Let the glory of God, Lord, just fall fresh, fresh, Let there be a sense of awe, a sense of joy, a sense of hope. Lord, the world needs that hope that only heaven can give. And Lord God, we pray that as, Lord, the heavens opened, the angels descended, uh, and Lord, it had appeared, and the glory of God was just so evident. And they spoke blessing upon all mankind. They prayed and they prophesied that, that Lord, that, 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 that blessing and joy would find increase among people, all people. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor, for you're the king of all kings. And Lord, we pray that sickness will flee. Lord, that through the hands of these, your your vessels, Lord, we're vessels of clay. Lord, we're not vessels of gold, we're not vessels of anything else, but we're vessels of clay into which God has put His glory. And the glory of God resides inside in the vessels of clay. And it is not the clay, but it is the indwelling of of God and His Holy Spirit in my life. It is Jesus Christ that makes a difference. Let us as a church see that, that Jesus in us is going to change the world around us. That the power of the Holy Spirit is going to reveal that which will bring joy into those who have no joy, hope into the lives of those who are living lives of hopelessness. Those who are overwhelmed with guilt, Lord God, will find that there is a release from that guilt. Lord God, not only is there forgiveness of sins, but there's deliverance from that guilt that, Lord, no matter what sin has been canceled, we are not responsible to carry, it, it, the, carry the weight of that around anymore. Hallelujah. From the east and the west, the north and the south, we pray there'll be a move of God among those who need Jesus. And Lord God, we need Jesus, but we, Lord, have been blessed to be uh, be brought into fellowship by his grace, not by our own doing, but by our faith in, in him and his grace shown toward us. We are children of God. We've been brought into the household of God. And if we, of all people, uh, are not anointed with the oil of joy, Where will they find it? Where will they find it? 
And we are that city that is set upon a hill, that which cannot be hidden. We are that light which is not to be concealed. We won't be. Lord, we love those who only know Santa Claus. We love them, Lord God. We don't consider ourselves better than anybody. But Lord God, if it means sitting with those, eating with those, fellowshipping with those who have no conception of what this is all about, that's what Jesus would have done. That's what Jesus would have done. That's what Jesus would do. And that's what God wants to do through us is that we give our lives away for the glory of God. That there can be an increase. Hallelujah. Tammy, you want to lead us? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is the best possible time. And it's not because it's Sunday and it's not because we're in church. It's just because right now is the best time. If you're at home or you're in a car, you know, you'd be in a car. Hopefully you're not watching online while you're driving. But if you would be, uh, first pull over, give your heart to Jesus so that if you get back on the road and do something dumb, you'll be ready. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would show us the, the life of light, the light of life, the truth, the saving grace. Lord, let us just be so inseparably joined to the heart of God that as we live this life, Lord, we don't see the faults of others. We're not there. I mean, we know they're there. We see the fruit of the sin, but we're not focused on that. We see a mission field. Jesus said, look to the fields for they are white and they are ripened into harvest. That's what we got to do. Look at it. Don't look at all the negatives and see everything else but the field that is white and ripened and ready to be harvested. God, I pray this morning with anyone who doesn't know Christ that you would, Lord, let them see that, Lord, uh, it's, not, a, it's not, a, not necessarily a human process that brings us into a righteous relationship with God. It's not a routine. It's not a formula of man. It's just doing what the Bible says, that we repent of our sin and we put our faith in a Savior. We ask Him for His cleansing to be applied to our lives, his death on the cross. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. What he did on that cross was done so he could bring forgiveness to me. He could bring life to me. And when Jesus died for me, he said, it's finished. That means that he did for us that we would know what we would never have to try to do again on our own. That Jesus Christ did for us what we did can't do and could never expect to do and don't have to do lord forgive us of our sin wash it away wash away the filth and the sin the big sin the little sin lord we pray that you destroy the power the power that holds sin sin sinners as we were in sin apart from christ destroy the authority and the power of that old sinful nature lord and give us freedom and let us walk new from inside out lord not just trying something different externally but inviting god to come into the places uh, into which he desires and the only places that can be truly changed by him and that's in our hearts We receive grace. We receive forgiveness through the shed blood of Christ by your grace. And Lord God, we receive it. Lord, we we acknowledge that we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. We believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and he was done. He did all of those things for us. And I receive it personally. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I surrender my past to you. I give you my present. And Lord God, you are my future. 
In Jesus' name, I receive that. And Lord, let us all go out of here today. Go out of here, but not go out of the presence of God. Not walking outside the mandate and the the calling of God. Always walking in harmony with that which God has called us to do. Doesn't matter how, how important you think you are or how insignificant you think you are. Christ in you, he definitely is the hope of glory. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.